0: Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Matt Mott. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now, let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mott. Welcome in to College
1: Soccer Nation. My name is Matt Mott. We've got a great show for you here tonight on a Monday, Championship Monday, as it's the culmination of the college football playoff with Alabama and Ohio State. And we'll talk about that with our guest here in a little bit. But I want to bring in our co-host, Chris Petricelli. Chris, welcome to College Soccer Nation on this very cold Monday night here in
0: Oxford, Mississippi.
1: And I know it's cold there in Dallas, too, right?
0: Yeah, we dodged the snow. There was a lot of snow in Texas, but we didn't get too much. Just really? You, yeah, nothing you on the ground. Brian said Houston Dallas. had it. Houston had snow. Yeah, I
1: mean it's in God's country, man. God's. Country. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, we got. We actually had a lot of snow ourselves. It's uh, it's Chris. Uh, Rob was telling me he was on his way home to play. He was snowing with his kids, and I said, "Oh God, it's something having young kids. I don't have that. Thank God anymore." Yeah. Anyway, great show tonight. Excited. We've got our good friend uh, Derek Leader on, who is, uh, you know, just I think one of the best, um, you know, coaches, trainers there is out there, and. Uh, I think he'll be fun to talk to as we have a good history with him.
0: Yeah, no, he'll be he'll be good. I mean, we we know he's he's uh he's bright and he's uh got a ton of experience and uh he's been involved in, you know, in coaching education and and things like that. So we're going to have a little bit of a um more of a soccer coaching heavy show than than we typically do, but um it should be it should be good.
1: Yeah, I think coaching methods tonight, we, we talked about a little bit. We started a little bit with Alan Kirkup when he was on and asking him some of his philosophies and things, and we got great feedback from that. So we thought, hey, let's add some more in, and why not bring in Derek, who, again, is one of the best clinicians out there and, and taught the coaching schools and all those kind of things. So excited about him. A um, couple of things I have for you. So Power 5. Power five this week is an exciting one. It is, I'll, I'll tease it here. It is the top five rock bands, uh, not named the East Street band, as we both are big Bruce Springsteen East Street bands. We've 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 already made that known on the show, but uh, so that they can't be in it. But any other rock band, right? So uh, that should be a lot. of fun. That should be a yeah. fun one. <laughs> yeah. and then. Um, i got a couple of things for you before we get – got a, a couple questions for you. So okay. I think it's important we, we're in the, the heat of the NFL playoffs, right? We actually have the – as I said, we have the college football playoffs thing, but we're in the, the heat of the, the uh, pro play. And my team got knocked out. The, the Washington football team got knocked out. Yeah, and I, I right. was talking – yeah, I was talking to you and Brian, and you guys both have a couple of teams that you support. So you support – the Giants, who didn't make the playoffs, mind you. Redskins knocked them out. And then you support um, the Saints for obvious reasons. as You have a good connection in there with one of the Saints players in your family. Brian, of and course. And the Browns as well. And I support the Browns oh, as well. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fair.
0: Yeah, so you have three I mean, teams. But, but Matt, But, Matt, let, let's be but, fair now. Okay. I support those teams because of personal relationships for no okay. other reason. Absolutely. Okay, there's, there's no other reason. Without sure. those relationships, I, I wouldn't support those teams. Right? It relationship makes total sense with, with the Saints, relationship yep. with Baker, with the Browns, and and that's uh, that's the reason why. I want to see Absolutely. those guys win. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Great.
1: Okay. Makes total sense. Uh, Brian, who's on the show also, he supports Tampa he because he lived there. Yep. No, no personal relationship as far as I know. He supports the Saints because he lived there, LSU. And now he supports Houston, which I'm not sure he knows any players on any of those teams. But he gets three teams. So you get three teams. He gets three teams. I only have one team. So I don't think there's any reason why I shouldn't get to pick my hometown team in the Buffalo Bills, where I spent four years. Mind you, I grew up a half a mile from Rich Stadium. I went to... A tons of Buffalo Bills games. The four years that they went to the Super Bowls, unfortunately lost. I was there. I went to playoff games. Went but a right- you weren't cheering for
0: the Bills at that time. <laughs> See, I think this is a, this is this is a great idea. I think you you, you should get three teams, but I think you yeah. should come before the season starts. Well, what? I just started no, thinking about how so come I only get one, left. and you guys all get three. That's not fair. Well,
1: again, yeah, I get one, but see, see, but the bills, bills would be my. Te- now, let me say this: talking about yeah. my family, my my uh, in laws are huge Bills fans. My wife's a big Bills fan, so well, there's she's plenty of than you. clearly she's. I uh, knew there's, there's plenty of bills, so I'm joining in with the Bills. I'm in the Bills mafia. Sure. I joined up. I joined up. So the Bills are with my team, and okay. you know, so with, like the way Brian goes, is it's the Saints is his team because he lived there. Well, the right. Saints are the team closest to. To me, so I don't. I don't know, but I don't,
0: also, I don't, I don't not know. the Falcons. You were you were at Auburn. That's not far from Atlanta. <laughs> nah, that's too far. All right, but hold on. One more
1: quick. Then I gotta get into the show. So I got a, a great. My youngest brother, my oldest brother's never given me a gift. My my youngest brother sent me a package. I was so excited to get it. Right. So I open it up. I pull it out, and it's a um, Chase Young authentic. Jersey, oh. my size even, right? But I look at it and I'm like, oh, this is an issue. Right where the front of it, where it's supposed to say the team name, where it says Washington, mine says Redskins. Oh. But Chase Young was never part of the team when they were the Redskins. No. So <laughs> so some counterfeit. Like some game? counterfeit. <laughs> yeah. So I call them and I go, hey, where'd you get this jersey? Thanks for the jersey. Where'd you get it? He goes, oh, a little, you know, online thing in China. I'm like, yeah, because it's got the wrong name on the jersey, <laughs> but I'll wear it with pride, Christian. Oh, that's the football team, but anyway. All right, let's get into real quick. Let's get into uh, what you've been doing here the last uh, week or so since we've Ooh. talked with the
0: the team reporting. How's that going? Um, you know, it's uh, it's great. It's great to have them back. It's great to be in training. It's you know, great to be around your players and and you know, be in the team environment and all of that. Um, you know, the, the, uh, protocols are, are, are difficult. We came in and, and, and we tested and, you know, we went into this, you know, what we call phase one and phase one, a, and phase one B, which basically means you can't touch anybody. You gotta be six feet away. You know, you gotta have groups of, uh, less than 10. Um, and, and we did that for a week and, uh, it's sort of a funny story. I was running out of, I honestly was running out of things to do, right? I yeah. Mean, I yeah. Just don't have that many things that we do that you don't touch anybody. And um, I happened to get in the mail, the um, soccer journal from United soccer coaches and I opened it up. And there was uh, for a bunch of exercises in there that are for social distance training. Mm. A number of them were written by a guy by the name of Vince Gansberg. Um, and Vince was a um, high school coach uh, in South Bend when I was there and he was huh? a, a young guy just kind of starting out and, and Mike Berticelli got him involved in this coaching education. And, and he's really kind of made a name for himself in coaching education. I mean, he does all these clinics and, you know, flies around the country and, and does licensing and, and things like that. Um, so I stole some of his exercises, um, and I used them in training and yeah, they were fantastic. They yeah. were really Good. Um, Kids enjoyed it, you know, and 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 that was that was probably the best session of the week. My my stuff wasn't very good, but yeah, 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 yeah. Not surprising. So Um, so you you got out of a
1: magazine your best session
0: of the week. Yeah, I did. I I
1: did. Impressive, impressive. And
0: and then we you know we tested again, and uh, fortunately everybody's clean. So good today was our first day of uh, real training, Uh, and we just basically went into. Know some small sided games and things like that to get them back competing again Mm because you know they really haven't had a chance to compete. So, and then now we'll start layering layering in some tactics and things like that as as we move on. But it it is nice to be back in it.
1: That's great. So, a couple questions for you. So, in the first five minutes, were they just flying?
0: In the Just, um, in the small sided yeah, and
1: then they got yeah. tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always the way in that first couple of sessions, but that's great, and and um, excited that you're back and going. I'm happy for for you guys. We're about a week away from from having the players report and and get ourselves with the onboarding, and we're we're going into eight hours for you know, almost a month, uh, kind of the way the calendar lays out. So, uh, but again, I think it, it rolls right into our topic today, right, with with Derek and and talking yeah. a little more about coaching and, and how those sessions look. Like we talk about training, you know, and a lot of people say it's practice. Right? I thought it's called practice. In soccer we call it training. And, and what does a, a good training session look like and, you know, methods and those kind of things I think will be a real interesting topic and something that a lot of our people that listen will be interested in. So, Yeah, for sure. Good. Um, well, Dare. do we dare bring him in? Is it time, yeah, Chris? Yeah, let's bring him in. All right. The big deal. Brian Lee is with us again for episode number 17, Brian. How about that? 17. Who would have thought? Seven, we've done 17 weeks in a row and only taken
2: one week off a break. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, that's because that's you're a grinder, Matt. And yeah. the, I yeah, think we talked about it before. You've blown away the over-under for uh number of podcasts making make it, no, it. So
0: seven. You know, this 17 week. 17 and rolling. How about that? This week, we got downloads from Russia, Sweden, and India. How about that? Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. I mean, how many people go 17 weeks without a, a day off? That's us. That's what we did. Well, it's only one day a week. One day a week. Chris, quiet. You forget about all the prep work. People calling around, getting guests, and all the stuff we do, the script writing we do. I mean, that's a lot to Again, it. Again, the guests, the guests are buddies of ours
0: that we send a text to.
2: <laughs> and most importantly, you know, you, re- you survived the power five of vegetables. To last yeah. another, yeah, that one. So, you know. Oh, by the
1: way, Chris, you know. I, I I meant to say that at the beginning. I'm glad you brought it up, Brian. I I am going to go ahead and concede um, that you won last week, really because last night when I was chopping up garlic that I bought in the produce section, <laughs> I was like, okay, he's right. It's a vegetable. I was chopping up. I made a little steak and had a little butter and garlic in the in the skillet. Oh, it was good, Chris. Oh, I good. seared it, nice. Anyway, all right. So, all garlic was, so I give it, give it to you. You won that one, but this week
0: you're in big trouble.
2: <laughs> we'll what do
0: you got for Brian? So, hey, how about you, Brian? Where are you guys at in, in preseason? Your, your players are back now, right?
2: We are. They started trickling into town about a week ago. They had to take two COVID tests to be cleared before we could practice today. And today was our first day little snow on the ground last night, so we went inside. Uh, we've got a new bubble at Rice, which has been fantastic, and went in there for the first session, and then we'll be back out tomorrow. Good. And are you social distance and all that? Or No. no we we spent a, a long time in the fall social yeah. distancing and masked up. But right now at, at Rice, really the only news is they've pushed back the return of the regular students a couple weeks into early February, so – it's basically just the student athletes on campus That's right great. now and for a good solid month. So we'll have a little soccer camp, uh, field yeah. to things and maybe get a game or two. And we'll feel like one of those West coast teams, you know, the West coast teams yeah. that start school late. Yeah. So, yeah, Brad,
0: I, I've actually enjoyed, uh, you know, not sort of having this pressure of I got to get them out cause I got to get to class, you know, or we can't do this today. Cause they, you know, they got to get to class, you know, to have a little bit of freedom uh, with the schedule is nice. Brian,
1: what, what are some of the specific things you did in uh, practice today?
2: Oh, today, we all we did was a little passing pattern, played some small sided into a almost full sided type games. Um, we really just like want you, to get the cobwebs out on day one.
1: You feel like your team's fit? I meant to ask you that too, Chris. You feel like your teams are fit, coming back?
2: Very fit, man. I think we're more prepared than we've ever been in August. You know, the biggest thing for me with this spring season is we get kind of a trial period. What if we didn't play, you know, with a short August preseason, then straight into 20 games in 65 days, which obviously is not ideal preparation, even if you have a summer program. And I thought today was so far ahead of where we normally are uh, on a first day of, you know, quotation marks, preseason that at least for a day, that's a really strong argument to certainly from a physical standpoint, soccer, college soccer being a spring sport would make a ton of sense.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. My, my team is more fit than they've ever been. And again, we had, we had all fall right to, to prepare them. And, and then they did, they did their work when they left. So it's, it's yeah. not.
2: Well, and the big one for me is for the freshmen, you know, if, maybe they're in the summer, maybe they aren't, but their preseason is so short in the fall. They're trying to, you know, find a role in the team while they're trying to get started with college in general mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, for me, we had one late entry. So we really have one freshman on our team. And the other four, you know, they, they look like sophomores to me on yeah. day one.
0: Great. Right.
2: So uh, big
0: news out of uh, Stanford this week with uh, Katerina Macario. Um <laughs> coming out with a statement saying that she's leaving Stanford and and not going to play this year. Um, Some reports are out there that it looks like Leon is where she's going to end up. She's going to skip the NWSL. I've heard uh, Byron Munich trying to get in on her Real Madrid, which is great to hear these, these kind of clubs uh, really starting to invest in the women's game, but that changes the, um, the season for not only for Stanford, but for a number of other teams, doesn't it?
2: Uh, It sure does. And, I've got a sneaky suspicion. She won't be the last, you know, with her situation is so unique because she's such an elite player and maybe a once in a lifetime, once in a decade type player. Uh, But there certainly are some other very good top end college prospects who have the option to come back in the spring and next fall, whose decision could change a lot in the next day or two with the NWSL draft coming up with Macario kind of, Showing this direction where she can go in Europe and make good money. And then with the COVID situation everywhere right now, certainly if you're in between and you're a young player as the option term pro, that might lean you that direction as well.
0: Yeah. And we saw, I saw some reports today of uh, Trinity Rodman, who's uh, an under 20 player, under 20 national team player who is committed to Washington state. And there were some reports out today that she's considering skipping college and going straight professional. And we don't, we've seen it once or twice, but we don't see it that often.
2: No. And it's a, it's a real conundrum. Is this good for the game? You know, is it good for the bigger picture? Does it mean women's soccer is becoming a more professional oriented and a more realistic professional path for these kids um, than we've been in the past or Is it COVID related, you know, because fall, you know, anyone who was on campuses in the fall, that was tough. That wasn't a normal college experience by any stretch. And it's looking like it again in the spring. So is it a one-off? And then where does college soccer fall long-term? You know, we've seen what happened, what's happened with the men and, and MLS and the academies and, you know, the different directions the boys can take and a lot of early exits from college teams. And we certainly don't want to be there and we don't feel like we're close to there yet, but it might just be the tip of the iceberg. Right. Let me but, you, let
1: me, I got a question before you, Chris, started jumping. Yeah. in. So the last two players to do that, that, that are this level of Rodman, whereas Lindsay Horan, right? She did that. Yes. And yeah. It's worked out pretty well for her. Yeah. And then I think the other one was, I can't think of her name. The, the oh, wild Mallory player, Pugh.
0: Mallory Pugh. She didn't play. She went. I think she made it right. Right on for a, a month or something. Do you see Yeah. So, did it work for those
1: guys? I think well, you would hard argue you, it didn't. I mean, certainly it did for Lindsey Rand. I don't see. I
0: mean, Peran still- for sure. I mean, Mallory Pugh. I think the the jury's still out on uh, on her. You know, and and I, th- I think she did quite well early, and she's kind of struggled here recently. So mm-hmm. hopefully, we'll see a rebound from her coming up but um you know it's hard it's it, it's for me it's hard to say like players like this you know Macario and like, she scored 63 goals in 68 games like <laughs> i don't know that college soccer is is you know uh, enough of a challenge for her she she mm-hmm. you know for her you know not not for college soccer it wouldn't be it's not great for college soccer if she leaves but for her i could see why why she sure. would leave and and it makes sense to me um rodman Uh, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I, you know, she might do well in, in, in college soccer. And, 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 you know, the thing, the thing that we can't forget is that, you know, the uh, facilities, um, the coaching, uh, the attention that these kids get in the college environment um, is pretty nice. And you don't necessarily get that at, you know, if you if you're gonna go play for Sky Blue or, or or somebody like that in the NWSL, so you know I get it if it's a kid who's gonna go play for Manchester City, but um, if you're doing this, you know, to play in the NWSL, um, not only is it there there are differences in the accommodations and things like that, but certainly you know financially too. I mean, you know, I, I, you're not getting rich playing in the NWSL, but you are, you know, if you're playing for Lyon.
1: Yeah, well, Macario got her degree from Stanford, right? I mean, she's she's hit the home run all the way around. And and like you said, generational player for sure. And anybody that got to see her live, I mean, she's just fantastic. And and it's too bad she's leaving, but certainly it's good for those teams that are going to fight with Stanford for a a
2: trophy, no doubt about it. Well, and certainly everybody's got different reasons. But to hearken to what you hear a lot in, in the major sports in the U.S., College also isn't for everybody. There's not some sort of mandate that we all need to go to college, and I think it's great. And for the vast majority of our young people, it's a really positive experience, and they're going to go and get the most out of it. But we don't know the reasons behind different people's choices. Um, And, you know, if Rodman has a reason she wants to go pro and doesn't want to be a college student, more power to her. Sure. Um, Sure. And I, uh, I saw today
0: um, a release uh, about the Pac-12 schedule. So finally we have something from the Pac-12. I don't know that we've seen anything from the Big Ten yet, but um, the Pac-12 now has said uh, they'll play four non-conference games and they're playing 12 conference games and they typically would play 11. But what they're going to do is play their sort of local rival you know, UCLA, USC, or Cal Stanford, or Arizona, Arizona State, they'll play that game a second time. Um, so that's the look for uh, the Pac-12. But honestly, I still have some concerns that, um, you know, soccer is going to be played out in the West. Uh, you know, it it's it just uh, it's not a great situation.
2: With the political climate in the state of California – is, is the toughest for trying to play college sports, it, it certainly would ap- would appear. Um, I've heard rumors of a couple teams in California coming in late already. Kids were supposed to report here in a couple days, and they pushed back start days, just like a lot of schools are, are doing in general for their general student body. Um, but this February 4th start date is around the corner, February 3rd, February 4th. And if you're pushing back report dates, you're certainly not playing by then. And then the season gets super tight for anybody in that in that position as well. And on the Pac-12 scheduling, tough break on some of the pairings <laughs> on your natural arrival.
0: Yeah. You know that's 16 games that they're planning as well, and four non-conference games. I mean, that's a full schedule. You know, yeah, in, absolutely in short season. I mean, that, uh, that's a that's a full schedule. So, I mean, I hope they pull it off. Uh, it'd be good for everybody if they, if yeah. they pull it. Off.
2: Yeah, it seems, it seems ambitious, but let's hope it gets yeah. in. For
0: sure. Yeah. For sure. Okay, Brian. I'm good. Matt,
1: you got anything else for Brian? No, I think that's good. Coach Lee, thanks again. Um, who's your
2: pick tonight with a score? Oh, uh, Alabama by maybe 20 is my pick. Um, but let, let, let me say one thing here sure. before sure. we get on to Derek. You know, one of my favorite things about Derek is loyalty, loves where he's from. You know, he's salt of the earth. And I think in his Brown fandom, you you see that come through. So, Chris, how long did you know Derek before you knew he was a Browns fan? 30 seconds. 30 seconds. And what, what was, the, how did the Browns look the last like 20 years since you've no. known Derek? Since, <laughs> since Bernie Kosar finished Best. and uh, the guy was fumbling on the two yard line. It's the right? fumble, the drive, the play. I yeah. think all kinds of things. That's right. And Derek has loved him since then, and yes. he was super happy yesterday. He was. He was. Contrasted to from Buffalo, I lived on the street of the stadium. Like a quarter of a mile. Like <laughs> yeah. I could quarter hear the Ohio. stadium from my apartment. He was at the Jim Kelly playoff games. on oh, Thurman, yeah. Thomas Absolutely. and the guys. Uh-huh. And until two days ago, never heard Who of people the Buffalo do
1: well? I do. <laughs> well, I was in the I was in the row that the football landed in the Frank Wright comeback when they beat the Houston Oilers back then. Yeah. I was yeah. sitting I in the row. Was... I was standing cheering, of course. who were you cheering well, for? I was cheering
2: for the bills. Oh you are good because yeah, they times. were what were they doing then, Chris? What were they doing <laughs> when he was cheering for them back then, the Buffalo Bills? They are winning. They, were, they were winning, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. 25 years later, now they've just won their first playoff yes. game since yes. then, and voila, he's sure. back in the third row yeah, but, extra points. So, Chris,
1: was say, Chris was saying, though, you have to have a personal relationship to be a fan. You don't have a relationship team. with not Tampa, and, team.
2: Yeah. And Saints, and all that crap. Yeah, yeah, anyway. I love the communities hey. I lived in. I did forget. I
0: forgot one thing, Brian. I forgot one thing that that I think we we need to address here, um, and that is this: uh, we're hearing that the uh, there are a number of uh, NWSL owners and coaches calling college players, actually picking up the phone, calling college players, and trying to get them to enter the draft. And I can't see how um, how people in those franchises can expect us as college coaches. To then try to help them, you know, with their draft choices when they're stealing players, basically stealing players off of our teams. But, you know, certainly these are the same guys who are calling you and saying, hey, what about this player? What do you think about this player? What do you think about that player? And I do think there, there could be some, you know, some kickback, you know, from, from things like this happening.
2: Well, yes, yeah, certainly. Where we want to get in a win-win, let's call it win-win-win, because I think college soccer to the NWSL now and up to the national team, we we all need to have a working relationship that maybe hasn't been there for the last 10 or 15 years, certainly not been there to the extent where it would be a very positive effect on our players and help them become better at each of those levels and help the kids achieve what they want at each of those levels. But we've operated for the last 20 years on a pretty self-interested college soccer is interested in my program and my job and the pro teams are traditionally been trying to hang on and NWSL looks a little more stable. And every time the, the hierarchy changes with the national team, we've had a little bit different relationship with them as well. So, you know, for me, it's not great if, if that's going on, um, and it's something to address, but bigger picture, that whole relationship along those three stages you know, for the betterment of our players is something we can really work on um for the betterment of the game as a whole in the United States. And, Let me say that, you know oh sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna Go jump ahead, in
1: there. Man. I was just gonna jump in there, Kristen, and say I'm gonna shrink down what Brian said and just said, don't bite the hand that feeds you. I mean come on. There you go, man. Right? Like that's a the that cliché. We got we
0: got what a match cliché yeah, Early. Yeah. is. <laughs> but no, seriously, seriously though.
1: The, you're calling to get feedback on a player and then you turn around and call the player to try to get them to come early? I mean, that's ridiculous. that's really poor in it my is. opinion. It yeah. is poor. And, and we've all talked to the the pro guys and have relationships with some of them, but um, you know, if the kid's saying they don't they want to come back to college, let them go back to college. I mean, it's just it's
0: I don't like it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they had the chance to enter the draft, right? I mean, they, they right. declare for the draft or they right. don't. They declare right. for the draft, fine.
2: Yes, the, absolutely. If
0: not, yeah. leave them alone. Yes, yeah, I
2: totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. All right, bro. That's right. going to be an interesting draft on Wednesday. It That's will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. All right, indeed. boys. Looking forward to hearing DL. Yes. All, All right. right. Thanks, All right.
1: See you. Thanks, Brian. All right, Chris, it's that time to bring in our good friend to the show, and, and he's been a loyal listener, and he's actually a—he's the one that you wanted to come out as a voter and, and all this kind of stuff. But, again, super coach, great guy, and a Cleveland Brown fan. Very, very proud of Happy for him for that. But, uh, Derek, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, guys. Good to be here.
1: Yeah, good. So what we like to do, Derek, always to start with all of our guests is walk us through kind of your soccer background and and, and kind of how you got started and, and where you are and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, give us a little background from you.
3: Oh, goodness. Um, I think I've always been involved. I mean, coaching, even when I was a teenager, I helped out at the YMCA. Um, you know, I went back and was an assistant at my high school, but Really, it's really started with uh, yeah. If you remember the MISL, that folded, and when that folded in Cleveland, uh, the coaching staff and some of the players created a club. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore, but it was called Emerald, and that was Timo Leokoski, Jay Hoffman, uh, who were the force, the coaches for the Cleveland force. They started that club, and I started as a young guy, and literally. They sat me down and told me, you need to get your coaching licenses. They were all U.S. soccer staff, and, um, you know, they, they said, we'll pay for you to get your coaching licenses, and uh, by the way, you pass, you, you make more money. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so that, that was an easy start for a young guy, And um, but I coached at that club for a few years and got an opportunity to uh, go to Ashland University, uh, D2 school in Ohio, Uh, It was a chance to be an assistant for the men and women. Um, I only did it one season because I was the second assistant and it paid nothing. And I I slept in a dorm, um, but I had an opportunity actually after taking my A license um, to get hired at uh, IMG. Um, So I went down there and spent 12 years, uh, 12 amazing years around all kinds of uh, phenomenal, other phenomenal coaches and, and see pro teams come in and really, it was like a, a, just a project to work with the players every day and, and to learn how to work with them seven days a week. Um, so, we, again, that was uh, 12 years. I was there from the beginning with the men. Uh, I created the women's program. Uh, I coached PDL, W League, that sort of thing. Um, but then I got an opportunity to move, uh, to get back into college at the D1 level, and I took off for SMU. Um Spent four years there, worked uh, with the women at SMU and, and also coached the Dallas Texans. Um, after that, I went to Georgia State because it was a chance to be a head coach. Um, while there, I worked with Concord Fire, so I was always doing club and college at the same time. Um, and then I uh, moved here to Phoenix uh, for GCU, Grand Canyon University, um, where I coached for four years. And I guess all along the way, you know, I was... Um, Worked for U.S. Soccer as a national instructional staff. I was a scout for U.S. Soccer. Did the national training centers, you know, in Dallas, Atlanta, Phoenix. And obviously, you know, where I got to meet you guys, uh, you know, Region 3 ODP, I think I did it nineteen, twenty years working on the region staff and working with teams, working uh, with all three of you. So, um, and now I'm at RSLAZ. Uh, great club. And I work with the elite platform with the women, uh, which is actually the Utah Royals AZ. That's
1: awesome. That's awesome. Very impressive career too. I might add, um, so far you're a young guy, right? So you're still, still rolling. Uh, Chris, what you got for our friend
0: Derek? Well, I've seen, uh, Derek work. Um, and he's, uh, very talented, very passionate, um, very particular, Um, I gotta tell you, Matt, like uh when Derek and I worked together, um there was one time I was standing at the whiteboard and uh you know I'd put like an X on the whiteboard and then I'd be like, Oh no, I don't want that guy there. So I erased the guy with my finger and Derek went crazy. He went on me, No, 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 dude, no, 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 I go, What's the problem? He goes, You gotta use the eraser, it just looks a lot better, you know, you gotta use the eraser. So then uh, he was going to, you know, draw some stuff up on the board. And he pulls out his template mm-hmm. that he's, you know, sketches and, and all that kind of stuff. So his X's and his O's are perfect. Every so like a protractor he's got? Yeah. yeah like that? I, don't I don't think it's a protractor. Know. I think. A- no? <laughs> Brian, <laughs> what, is a pro, what is
3: a protractor? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, anyway so he, he, you know his his stuff is always perfect and the other thing that he always used to get on my case about was he hated when i would write on the board right and continue to talk but i would have the cap in my hand and the ah. marker in the other hand you know because i didn't put it back on top okay <laughs> because it would dry out the erasers he didn't he didn't like that either so. uh, i see it makes so, sense yeah. But he does have a, a great amount of experience, and I thought it might be good if he if he talked to us a little about a little bit about just developing training plans and sessions and structure and and things like that. You know, in technical environments, tactical environments, whatever they are. I mean, he's got you know so much uh, so much experience and talent with this stuff. So, Derek, why don't you just share some of your knowledge with us?
3: Yeah, well, I've kind of graduated from that template just recently. Uh, used <laughs> wow. The, uh, triangles and circles. I use the computer now, and I think it's sports session planners, but uh, you fancy go. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, developing a training session, I you know, I think, um, you know, it starts with an evaluation of your previous performance, your team's performance. Um, you're also going to analyze your upcoming opponents when you're talking about creating and developing a training session. I think the biggest thing is to understand the capabilities of the players. You know, what are they exactly capable of, of doing and understanding and what's the vision of the coach and, and, and you you have to have a vision, right? You have to have a vision of what you want, where you're going. Um, but I think training sessions should be sh- uh, sharp, stimulating um, and the atmosphere needs to be positive. Um, I really believe that um, sessions should involve all aspects of the game. The four, pillars of the game that we talk about technical, tactical, uh, physical and mental. Um, and as much as possible train sessions should be functional and people should be in, in positions. Um, but kind of like what you alluded to, Chris, uh, you know, I'm big on it being organized, set up ahead of time so that the players move quickly, uh, minimize downtime. Um, I'm a believer in coordinating the staff. So all the, you know, if, if, You know, as a head coach in college, I ran the training sessions and I wanted my assistants to be on the same page, but all the staff should be coordinated, you know, sports science, the athletic trainer, where where you want everybody, Um, you know, and lastly, I'd say, you you know, you need to be, have your activities timed uh, to take into consideration the the load and, and the recovery of the athlete.
1: Yeah, very good. I think people are going to appreciate um, some of this insight, certainly. Um, so, give me some of your coaching methods you use for player development, uh, and let me just stop real quick and say, um, those of us again, the soccer people, uh, you coached Freddie Adu, right? Or you certainly were down there IMG while he was there.
3: Yes, I yeah. was on the field next to him. Really, and you know, the basketball team, we did yeah. have some of those guys. Um, you know, Demarcus Beasley. Tim, Howard, oh, wow. I got to yeah. work with, um, but not Freddie just yeah. watched him.
1: Gotcha. There's a big document documentary out about him. I think that's, uh, seems pretty cool. But anyway, okay. Yeah. Tell us about
3: player development, Derek. So, um, I'm excited about this because, uh, I've kind of come full circle, uh, you know, with my coaching methods and, and, and the club really does this. Um, but 25 years ago, Tom Turner that I got to work with at that Emerald Soccer Club and with Ohio North was always talking about it, and RSLAZ now does it, and I'm back to the whole part, whole method. Um, so, you know, we've always been told and we always talk about the game as the best teacher. Well, in my opinion, we didn't really do that when we pieced everything and built incrementally. So um, whole part, whole method. So I'll give you some an example. Um, if your topic's counter-pressing, I'm going to start with the hole. So I'm not going to break everything down. I'm going to get all the kids out there. There's, there's a team in blue, there's a team in red and they're in a big grid grid and it's just possession blue versus red. Let's go. And, um, you know, at some point a few minutes in, you know, I'm not yakking on and on and on the players are playing and I might just suggest, Hey, win it back. If you lose the ball, let's see if you can win it back in three seconds can you win it back in under five seconds when it's lost? Um, and then still in that match related phase, you know, I might tell them, okay, we're working on a uh, counter pressing. So that's our topic. Um, so we're playing in this grid and it's possession. And if you lose it, your team has to win it back. If your team does not win it back, you play down a man because the girl who lost it, well, she's got to go jog around the grid. She's got to run around the grid. So, you know, uh, your team has to play down a man and you're chasing the game. So if that segment of the training session is, let's say 20 minutes, first 20 minutes, we already hit the four pillars of the game. We've already, we've got our technique, but it's tactical. It's psychological. There's fitness involved. Um, so everything is hit and, and the kids aren't wasted time standing around. Then I would break it to the part. Um, so again, our topic is counter pressing. So it just could be, I'd have grid set up so, you know, somewhere else. And it could be 4v4. If it's younger players, you could do smaller numbers. Um, But it's just breaking down winning it back and how you close and how you pressure and how you you close off lanes. And then I go back to the hole. So now it's match conditioned and the goalkeepers are in. There's two big goals. Everybody's in position. And it's literally the conditions are, you know, you're trying to counter press. So if you lose it and win it, you get a point. If you get a goal, you get a point, obviously. But if you counter-press, you win it and score a goal, you get bonus points. Mm. Um, so, again, that's, that's my thought on methodology. It's something that we did, you know, at least where I was from 25 years ago, and now, you know, RSL AZ and the Utah Royals AZ, that's, that's what we do daily. You know, um,
0: it reminds me of uh, way back when uh, when I was on the men's side and, and Bruce Arena was at, at Virginia, and they were great. They would win all time. And, um, and his team played great soccer. Right. And he had, you know, obviously fantastic players and, and all of that. But, um, the reporter asked him, well, gosh, you know, watching you guys play, you play so, you know, you play so well and, and you're so successful. Like what do you do in training? And he said, this is really simple. He said, we practice playing soccer. Yeah, so basically, you know, they're playing, right? Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's nothing wrong with playing the game, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with playing the game. I think at times we complicate it. You know, we we make it more complicated than it is. It is a simple game, and the more you play, the better you get. All right, and and I think what you're what you're saying, you know, lines up with that for sure. Absolutely. What about um, preparation for uh, for matches? You know, and, and tactics and applications and and things like that for individual matches. How much you uh, doing that, you know, in in, in your level and in, in the club level, and and uh, and exactly what what are you doing?
3: Well, uh, we were doing quite a bit, it, you know, because of COVID, it's it's stalled. You know, we don't like to have the kids in a room, um, you, you know, watching video as much as we used to. We've done it, spreading them out, setting up the seats, but but you know, clearly there's there's an, like we talked about, there's a self evaluation, there's an analysis of your. Uh, upcoming opponent, uh, we've got Instat, so all the kids and you, you guys are familiar with Instat. I know we had it in college, and 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 uh, all the kids have all their video and all the stats and all the information. But I can get that information and and communicate with the players individually. Uh, they can see it, um, but it's important for them to see the relevant video of themselves. Uh, we look at opponents. We talked about the expected shape that we think the opponent's going to play. We talked about, you know, how does that match up to the shape that w- we like to play? What are the weaknesses that we might uh, be confronted with? Where can we exploit them? You know, where are they vulnerable? Um, just like in college, you're talking about the key players and set pieces. Um, you know, for me, I like to talk about how they defend on set pieces or specifically corners. Are they man-to-man? Are they in a zone or some combination?
1: Hey Derek, uh-huh. let me stop you real quick. Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about um Costa Rica, and you were in charge of one of our trips of the the corner kicks.
3: I remember and this. You
1: remember. had you had whippersnappers. Yes.
3: <laughs> well, we so were you They were
0: whippersnappers. There were three different. What
3: ones? the other ones? Yeah. I just remember the whippersnappers. <laughs> That's all I remember. We were in this build out, and we were talking about playing and playing. Uh, um, you know, the pretty game and the beautiful game and playing soccer. So, you know, being that we hadn't been together that long, I took the quickest, smallest, craftiest players, and I said, let's play short on the ball. And those were the whippersnappers, the little (laughs) quick, crafty, fast players. Um, But if I remember correctly, Mr. Brian Lee, you know, SEC was like, you know, Dump it in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes,
1: yes, exactly. Exactly. Sorry to interrupt, but when you said that, Corners, it made me think of
3: the whippersnappers. Mm-hmm. Go, ahead,
1: go ahead. Sorry, because it was really good. I apologize, but it's good. No, the yeah. only
3: thing, you know, when it comes to tactical applications, you know, it's, it's really rehearsing what, you know, the, kid, the players need to know what to look for. They need to recognize the cues. And I just try to spend a lot of time in saying, what is the opponent presenting? How, you know what's their shape? You know it, it, this could be halftime. This could be before the game. We talk about it, but you know what are we looking for if if we win the ball? You know immediately when we win the ball, can we counter? Are are they flat? Is their backline flat? Um, how do you hold a lead or, or play to a score line um, or protect a lead? You, you know if a team is very direct, how do we stop the service? You know so it's just educating the players. You know, because they're the ones out on the field, they have to solve it. You know, we get halftime. We get pregame where we think we know what the opponent's going to do and how we're going to come out. But it's it's really can they recognize what's happening on the field and make the correct decisions? So, and, you know, I feel like that has to be rehearsed. Absolutely. So
1: tell us um, quickly the difference between coaching a youth player and a college player. <laughs>
3: well, you know, there's still a carrot dangling, right, for the youth players. So they want, you know, they look at you like you're the key to college and a a scholarship. Um, So I will say every day I get thanked. Every day they're like, hey, thanks, Thanks, coach. You know, every day a couple players after a session will, you know, just thank you. You know, they don't shake your hand anymore, but they thank you. (laughs) Um, It's just different. Uh, You know, you don't have to worry about – the youth player or the club player when they go home, um, you know, in college you had to worry what was happening behind the scenes, you know, stuff that we don't like to talk about, but stuff that does happen, um, you know, you don't have to worry about any abuse or anything bad happening, what well, you do, but, you know, the parents are responsible. Um, but I will say those same parents in club soccer, overly involved, mm-hmm. too much.
0: Yeah. What's um? So if we're looking about, uh, if we're talking about the elite club level player, and you you certainly have, have coached many of them. Like, what are the kind of things that they need to be proficient at? What are the kind of things that the coaches should be covering for them to prepare them to enter the college level?
3: Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think as clubs. Hopefully, have curriculums and, and plans and yearly plans set aside. You know, there's lots of phases. I think on attack, there's phases on defense. I think DOCs and coaches sometimes forget the transition moments. You know, attack to defense and defense to attack. But I don't, Chris. I don't necessarily think it's topics that are missed. I think it's the specificity. It's the nuances. Um, you know, if you're talking about attack and you're building up, you know, we all know let's get a big wide open shape and, and let's play out of the back. Well, let's not forget to talk about, you know, how are we going to create space? You know, how are we going to use that space? How can we create gaps? and, And can we skip lines? You know? So again, it comes to recognizing what the opponent is showing you, you know, if it's defending and your topic is recovery, you know, you know, sometimes there's an interchange in recovery. You know, sometimes your center back has to come out of position to save somebody or come to the flank Well, we've all told our, then the outside back who's gotten beaten, Hey, get to the middle. Well, do we ever rehearse that? Do we ever rehearse that? You know, in training, I I think it's important, you know, when it comes to transition, you know, you know, I talked earlier about counter pressing. Well, you know, what happens when you win it in the counter press, you know, can you connect out of there, you know, so there has to be, that's the nuances, you know, I'll leave you with a simple one. Everybody does finishing. You know, everybody does finishing. Well, what about the other players? Do, do they frame the goal for the rebound? You know, we talk about the technique of shooting. What, what about the movements of the other players? And if you're crossing, do they adjust uh, their runs? Do they readjust their runs to get in front of the goal?
0: You know, it's, it's interesting you're talking about the, the transition stuff because it's something that uh, I've been thinking about a, a ton uh, recently and, and thinking that I haven't trained my team enough in these moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, transition, especially the transition to defense. Um, you know, we'll spend a lot of time on defending and things like that. We'll spend a lot of time in uh, a ton of time on our team in attack. Uh, but the transition piece and was something that I was thinking about, um, actually doing this week and, and, and started popping in my head. Like what if I put my team in situations where just exactly what you're talking about, we're out of shape, yeah. right? Yeah. Our center back is pulled out. Our, our two outside backs get forward right um all of our midfielders are forward right you know those kind of uh situations and replicate those environments for our players because it just don't feel like it's something that i know it's something that i haven't done enough right? right and and i think we as coaches probably um you know it's a lot more fun to deal you know play on the attacking side and pass the ball around and score the goals but you know there are those moments where it changes and and those are important moments for sure Aren't you amazed both of you amazed
1: when watching the EPL on the weekends these counter moments where Man City or Liverpool or whoever Manchester United break out and it's so dangerous and how these so teams fast. know they they're, they know they're coming they know it's coming but they can't stop it right yeah. and they, and and it's it's all it's almost so impressive because they do it so well and so fast But it's it's just what you're saying, Chris. Like those guys are obviously working on it, but it still happens in the games, you know. And and how you defend that is so difficult because there's so much space and they're so fast. So anyway, it's really really interesting. And Derek, you're doing a a great job. I know we're drilling you with questions. We have a few more, (laughs) but we really appreciate it. I think it's extremely insightful. And if our listeners don't enjoy it, then shame on them because I'm really enjoying it. But um, give us uh, just to change gears a little bit. Give us some um, issues you guys are dealing with with this dead period, with the Division One dead period that we've been into now since you know back in March, and we're still until at least April. How, how is that? How are you guys dealing with that? How's your club dealing with it?
3: Oh, just just terrible situation for all of us, isn't it? Uh, it's yeah. the kids that are suffering. Um, wow, it's. I mean, really, it's been thirteen months, right? Because. Mm-hmm since last big event which was the DA event in, in Florida last December yeah um, you know there's some 2021s that are still stuck out there that are really good players uh, the 2022s where nobody's got to see them and even the 2023s are getting nervous because they want to get contacted on June 15th um, you know I think videos become huge I, I it seems like some 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 coaches, some programs are now going off of video to make decisions. It's, it's tough. You know, I, I know I've made mistakes on video myself. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so sometimes it's just a tough situation. I think you've got to get specific with the club coaches. Um, our kids have gone back and forth with what to do because it's high school season and our high school season might get canceled. They didn't used to play high school because of DA they weren't going to, because we thought January one, the dead period was going to be lifted. Then it got extended so the kids went to high school um it's been a mess a real mess yeah sounds like it
0: (laughs) (laughs) sounds like it (laughs) hey you mentioned a couple of names and uh i think these guys are are fantastic coaches and sort of icons in the game but you mentioned timo uh jay hoffman tom turner right um What what, what can you tell me about these guys? Like, I look, I've, I've been, I've spent some time around all three of them and, and, and really enjoyed speaking with them and watching them work, but you were, you were up close and personal with with all of them. What, how have they influenced you? You know, what have you seen from people like that? And,
3: and are there others for you? Yeah, I've been pretty fortunate. Um, Been able to be, be up close to so many great coaches. You know, one of my jobs as a young coach was to, uh, you know, house at Timo Leikowski's house during the '94 World Cup So he didn't want anybody <laughs> break into it. Um, he, you know, it was in his name was in the paper, and he, you know, he's going to be gone for a month. And
0: yeah,
3: but um, no phenomenal coaches, and just to watch them work, and and you know, Jay Hoffman's favorite thing was to come and interrupt my practices and be like, Dirk, what the heck are you doing here? Um, <laughs> You know, so just to spend time and to learn from Timo and Jay Hoffman and Tom Turner, who was such a great educator and coach and and spend so much time with him, you know. But the season I was at Ashland University, uh, Steve Parker uh, from oh, yeah. went sure. to Ashland University and got to work with him. I'm sure you worked with him on the NSCAA yeah. staff. Um, yes. But all these guys were U.S. soccer and NSCAA staff and, you know, uh, the amount of MLS coaches, I think, uh, and I worked with, like, five of them. Uh, but the next one was Eva Wortman. You know, uh, Eva Wortman left uh, IMG to go coach. You know, he coached in Brazil and coached for the, the national teams of, of, of different countries and went to work for Miami, coach Miami Fusion. I got to work with him. Uh, Tom Turner uh, with the under-17 national team. I was around and, and with U.S. soccer. I was with John Ellinger and John Hackworth, Um, you know, I think you guys know that, um, you know, Brent Irwin is the executive director of the club I'm at now at RSLAZ and the Utah Royals AZ, Um, and you know I coached with him at SMU. He was with the men at GCU when I was with the women, Um, but what you probably don't know is uh, when I started at IMG uh, and and we started the women and and Tom Durkin took – the men, Brent was our goalkeeper coach. So we go way back. Um, so obviously he's been instrumental just because he's brought me to different places. Um, but the biggest influence by far was Tom Durkin. I mean, 10 yeah. years working with him every day was a coaching mm-hmm. school. And if you think I was particular about the way I drew my things on the board or your marker, <laughs> I got yelled at every day. Every day. And, and, uh, but he made, me, he made me who I am. He made me a better coach. Um, so yeah, a lot of people. Hey, anybody else, Derek? Obviously, <laughs> else on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just no, I've been <laughs> working with all you guys and sitting there with, with you, Matt, and Chris, and, and Brian, and uh, you, you know, even sitting down and talking soccer anytime has, has, has been a joy.
1: Yeah, so so we, we do have to say, I've just got one last question for you, Derek, but um, you know, I, I just want to know, do you have any? Like, are you over um, being a, being at ODP and and you know having to redo schedules when when <laughs> me and James maybe screwed something up or Robin Confer and and Joe or you know I just I just picture you with your hands in your head looking at yeah. that computer going what did they do now and now there's weather and how are we going to do this and Joe wants this and Robin wants that and Matt wants this and there's James <laughs> over in the corner eating chocolate like <laughs> are you have you have you recovered from all that at that time?
3: Yeah. You know, some of the stuff you're talking about, I don't miss, but I miss <laughs> every, I miss what, I do miss what you're talking about. That camaraderie, the experience, you know, not getting a great night's sleep because of the accommodations, but being around all you guys, just something about that is a huge part of all of our soccer uh, history. Um, it was, it really was some good times.
1: It was, and Boca was great, and, you know, and obviously my team was always so successful at Boca, and oh, we were usually, Chris usually assigned you to us because you knew, he knew you wanted to do some winning and being with us would do that. Anyway, sorry. Uh, let's go. Uh, Derek, get, take a few minutes here at the end and, and talk about the club you're at and, and how it's going and, and how you like it. We know you're a big fan of it, and just kind of give us a, an overview on that club,
3: please. Well, well first off, let me, let me go back because you guys like to talk uh-huh. about ODP and, and trips uh-huh. in Costa Rica, um, I don't remember when I was with you and Brian there, you guys winning, but when I was with Chris and Bill Hempen, I, I remember winning the tournament. In oh, you know, oh, whoa!
1: we won. Maybe not when you were, maybe not, not when year you were I was there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well. Well, the only year, only
0: year we didn't win, maybe, was the year we <laughs> was well, There was one person in common both, both years, though. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah greatest ever. <laughs> yeah. He's supposed to be the administrator. The last thing he was doing was administrating. Anyway.
3: Um, yeah. Tell us about the club. Oh, the level of players, unbelievable. Um, you know, day in and day out, the, the girls I get to work with, uh, with the Utah Royals AZ is just phenomenal. The infrastructure is great. Uh, you know, we just got a new facility, um, got our own fields, got our own, uh, you know, weight room, uh, physical therapy that's connected uh, right there at the club, clubhouse. Uh, ability for the kids to do study hall. They can order smoothies. They've got uh, healthy lunches that they can get, but it's just a a, a tremendous club. I got to say Brent or Irwin has just done a phenomenal job. Um, But I get to work with day in and day out, Tiffany Roberts and the programming, the yearly planning, the curriculum, top notch, complete professional, um, uh, fun to be around and does a really, really good job. So um, it's great. Great club. Good
0: for you. Good for you. Yes, it is. It's a, it's a fantastic place. They've done a wonderful job, and you're right. Brent has put together a, uh, a fantastic club, and it keeps getting better and better. And um, the staff is, is outstanding, and certainly Evan Derek, and, and Tiffany as well involved on, on the girls' side has really taken that, that club to the next level. Well, Derek, thanks so much for coming on. You were as, as as
1: advertised, as I was saying. I told Chris we need to bring Derek on, talk soccer, and look, yeah, well, there again, I was right and, and <laughs> knocked it out of the park. So not a surprise. But, no, I thought uh, Insight was great. Really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, buddy.
3: Pleasure. Thank you, it, you, guys.
1: Okay.
0: All right, Chris. All right, Matt. What are we looking forward to this week, Matt? What do you got going this week? You know, we are,
1: we are cranked up now. We are, we are all back. And in the office beeps came back from Louisiana
0: this week, brought me king cake. Have you ever had a king cake, Chris? You know, I don't think that I have my daughter who now lives yeah, in New sure. Orleans, um, said it's king cake season. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, oh, uh, man, talked about getting herself a nice king cake.
1: Yeah, I'm worried about going home today. I've been in the office all day. I'm worried about going home. There won't be any left. It's so good. Yeah. But Biebs brings that authentic New Orleans to so It's yeah. great. But anyway, we're back in the office, cranking it up, um, getting ready for the players to come in. I think next Tuesday they show up
0: uh, and get going. But uh, what about you? What are you looking forward to? Just, you know, it's just training. You know, our, so our guys are uh, – we. They're, they're off tomorrow. They've gone seven straight days. So so they're off tomorrow and, and they certainly deserve a day off. But actually getting into training and, and topics and trying to prepare a team to play games, because remember, we had all that training in the, in, the, in the fall, but we weren't preparing to play a game. You know, right. we, we didn't have any games planned. So, you know, your training takes, a, a, I think, a, a different route when you're trying to prepare to play a game as opposed to just sort of player development and, and things like mm-hmm. that. So I'm excited about getting them in and getting them into a, you know, a shape and, and figuring out who's going to play where and, and how it's all going to work. And it's the coaching stuff that, that we all enjoy. And, you know, this whole COVID thing has kind of messed it up for a while.
1: Well, I hate it. It's taken this long to get you guys there, but I'm, I'm happy for you that you are, and you're able to Those are The best part of our job. Let's keep it yeah, right. Absolutely. I mean, it's the best part of being out on the field with your team and solving these issues and getting them ready and seeing them get better. It's great. So yeah. Exactly. All right. Power five time. You ready? Power five. Let's do it. All right. Good one. Again, it is the uh, power five rock bands not named E street band. Uh, Cause we're both obviously Bruce. They'd Bruce be number one. Because be number one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But um, I feel like if you hit a couple of these, ooh, it's not going to be good for you, I think, but I feel really good about my, my list, I do. I, so.
0: I, this, a couple of things, I think it's going to be a little generational. Mine may be a little older than yours. Oh, really? Huh, imagine that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I wonder where that would be. That's a good thing. Anyway, well, that's yeah, a good thing. yeah, yeah, it is. Could be. All right, uh, let's go. ask you this now. Yeah. We're talking yeah. about mm-hmm. rock bands now. We're not talking about that's an right. individual performer. That's right. That's right. So, Can't be know, Prince. Can't be Prince. To, you tend to manipulate these things a little bit. Oh, no, no, no. So no I want to no, make sure. So, yeah. so you couldn't say, for example, Elvis,
1: right? Because that's, that's a right. Little performer. That's right. Mm-hmm. right. Correct. You yeah, can yeah. say Prince. I said that as an example, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. i right. You want me number go first,
0: five? Want to go first?
1: Yeah, go ahead. You go ahead. You always just, go first. I'll go first. My number five, Def Leppard. Producer likes it, gave it the nod. (laughs) Uh, Nothing, all right. You're number five. No, it's just not a top five, it's just not. Yes, it is. They're very good. It's my top five. I didn't say it was bad. Yeah, okay. I like them. My number
0: number five, Led Zeppelin. Can you name more than three songs from Led Zeppelin? Come on, come on, Matt. There's There's freaking a million songs and. You know, first of all, Stairway to Heaven is... Oh, they, oh, they do sing that. I love that song. Oh. That's a good song. <laughs> yeah, all right, I give you that. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that like... All
1: right, my number four.
0: Yeah. You ready? Yeah. The Who. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. That's yeah, a pretty good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I, I considered them. I, I considered yeah. them. I, yeah. I didn't put them in because I don't think they're top five, but...
1: Uh, I no, they're top five. Been on the Super Bowl. Like, Eminence Front, great song. Anyway, The Who. All right, your number four. Were they on the Super Bowl? Yeah, they did the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Didn't they?
0: Absolutely. Good, too. All right. My number four, U2. Uh,
1: (laughs) Most overrated band in the history of music without question. I was hoping. You know, I talked about this with Brian. Brian's like, there's no way he'll have U2 on there. I'm like, I Uh, hope he's not. It's not true. Uh, They are so overrated, Chris. I cannot take it. Go ahead, Darren.
0: U two is the favorite band of all the wokesters. So Chris didn't know you're a wokester, but congratulations.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Go hug a tree. No, i it. Their music is good. No, I listen. They have like they have some good songs. Okay, but they are not top. They're so overrated. Every oh, U two, U two. I can't take it. They're, they they just No, 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 no. Can't take. It. I mean, you just lost.
0: No I, I number don't
1: so. number three for me.
0: Yeah, Queen. Well, in honor of Ali Krikorian, I have Queen as number three as well. Oh, I didn't know she
1: liked them. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know. See, I need... oh, in honor, huh? You you somebody Uh, Collusion A little collusion In your list maybe No collusion Ah,
0: I had Queen as number three I'm a little surprised That you had Queen I'm a little surprised by it I like Queen a lot
1: You see the movie It's
0: great I'm a little surprised by that All right, Number two Here we go Number one and number two This is This is so obvious These two are so obvious And this is where You're going to screw it up Don't say the Beatles For God's sake Don't say the Beatles (laughs) I am not saying the Beatles
1: But my number two Is it me I go number two first Yes Yeah Sure, number two for me.
2: Yep,
0: Bon Jovi. <laughs> What's
2: the matter? Yeah,
0: you no. don't have Bon Jovi, Chris. But, I don't have Bon Jovi, and and I have personal history. You know, right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. How do you the not have them? Player was on my high school soccer team. Yes, all of those guys are from the area where I grew up, yeah, and I yeah. and I enjoy some of. I enjoy their music. But there is no way they are in the top five. There is Absolutely. no way. They, They're way more yeah. to have top five than you, too, I can tell you that. Oh, my God. They, it's not even close. That, that's not. Even two? close. two? Who's your number two? The Rolling Stones. Oh,
1: God. You are so mainstream. <laughs> I can't take it. Like, you just go to the Rock and you go to Rolling Stones' top whatever and you just pick whatever they say. Okay, so the Rolling Stones. They're overrated, th- too. I, I, don't, I don't like them. Again, don't. generational. You Maybe don't so.
0: You don't Maybe know. So. You, you, you were, know. were. Were you at
1: Woodstock? Did you go to Woodstock? I did not. Oh, I feel like you would have. I did not I feel like you would have. All right, my number one. Ready? I'm ready. This is again. This is generation for me because it's it's a, it's I'm old, I'm you know I'm at that age. This band rocked my and they still do my entire life. Iron Maiden, number one, and my. Top five rock bands, not named E Street. <laughs> they're still all over. They fly their own plane. They've been in Brazil. They're they fantastic. fly their own plane.
0: That makes them the <laughs> <a> top five.
1: <laughs> the lead singer, the lead singer, flies the
0: plane. All anyway, right, go ahead. Who's your number one? Let me guess. My number Aerosmith. one, is so easy and so Smith And you guys are so wrong. It's the Beatles. It has to be the Beatles. Has to be. It has to. They're be. a pop band, not a rock band. Pop. Oh, they're come a pop, on. not a rock band. But, they're hold, hold on. Uh, they are
1: mm-hmm. just. It just is so. Again, he's so. It's supposed to be your own personal. So, Chris, I go in your car right now. You got are in your phone. You got a bunch of Beatles songs in your phone. I'll tell you you what, got playlists done, with I've Beatles. Turn
0: the Beatles channel on on Sirius all the time. Turn off East Street. <laughs> turn off East Street. Sometimes. I I don't
1: think you do I'm sorry, that.
0: fellas, I don't but any that. list without Boston is a useless list. So I this know, is a you bad love week. Boston.
1: Uh, Boston. All right. Well, let's see. Let the voters vote. We'll let the I voters think, vote. But we'll the let's... Beatles, I. I guess I, you have the Beatles and you too. I can't take it. I cannot take it. You had that's Iron so Maiden and Man. Def Leppard. Yeah, good bands. Great bands. And bon Jovi, yeah, Matt, 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 fine. I that's can't cool. believe you're dissing on Bon Jovi. All right, let's move on. All right. Let's get out of here. Uh, my cliche, I had one earlier, but the cliche this week is we gave it 110% tonight. Yes.
0: Yeah, so you give it more than 100, can you? You can't, right? You mm-hmm. just. You can't give it more than 100%. 100% is 100%. That's everything you got. Yeah. They were talking, I think it was on the on the Browns game last night, they were talking about uh, giving 1,000% or some ridiculous yeah, yeah, number like that. Ah, that doesn't stupid. make sense. No, right? it doesn't. Yeah. No, nope. terrible. All right, great show tonight, Derek, was
1: excellent. Brian was always good. I like the topic. My new, my new uh, favorite team, the Bills, looking forward to watching them yeah. next weekend. Hopefully yeah. they're getting through to the next round. Yeah, nah, nah, they might, be, but the Browns will beat them. Good luck to the Saints. Certainly good luck to the there Saints. No um, Houdat Nation, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Again, please download us. Give us a five-star review. If you want to email us, our emails are at the uh, end of the show. Uh, thanks again for a great show. We'll see you next week.
0: If you have questions for Coach Petricelli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetricelli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast outlets. Download
2: it, give a review, tell a friend.